Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Empire. Fantasy Spaceball Show with D. Mindy. Little Cheesecake and Doc starts now. I don't know how you follow up a no-hitter call, but I'm going to damn well try. We welcome in a man that's been referred to as the GOAT, whether that's been his dominant performances on the mound or his awesome facial hair. The 2008 ALCS MVP and the owner of the first no-hitter in Rays history, this is a man that had some style as he brought some swag to that pitching mound. He's got 93 career wins, 1,380 strikeouts, and a 409 career ERA, and one awesome pitching delivery with the shaking of the glove with every nasty pitch. Triple play is going Garza. We're welcoming Matt Garza. What's going on, man? Hanging out, man. Just uh, happy to be here and uh, appreciate you having me on your show. Hey man, thank you for your time. Uh, I love watching you play. I, I gotta ask first when we start off. I, I love the little glove thing you did. It was like one of the the cool things watching you pitch. Was that? I don't remember if you did that your whole career. Was that something that was like a habit, or was it like a hide the pitches? What did? What was that all about? Well, I, when I was in uh, the minor leagues, I had I moved my glove on you know, certain certain other pitches, and one of the big leaguers in big league camp kind of gave me a, you know like a, hey you should do you should do something to hide it every pitch that nobody knows. So I just started shaking my glove every pitch so I would mix it up and you know, it's stuff it is uh I guess it worked, you could say I like say I punched out thirteen hundred guys, you know, so probably didn't do it good enough, probably could have punched out more, but uh you know, again it was uh, just a tip from a vet, you know, trying to not give your pitches away and maybe a little tip from an old school guy, you know, was well Walking warmly, you know, trying to replicate and imitate those guys. Yeah, man, it was awesome to watch, and it makes a lot of sense why you were doing it. I was a big Twins fan growing up, so I was I loved watching, even though it wasn't very long with the Twins to, to watch you pitch, and obviously your whole career, which we'll get into. Uh, but yeah, I got to start by getting to know the yeah, young Matt a little bit. You played baseball and football at Washington Union High School. Eventually, you stuck with baseball, which was the right call at Fresno State, home of the Bulldogs, and. I know it wasn't the college girls because I saw that you uh, were married to your high school sweetheart, 
And I, I'm just curious. I don't know if it was the parties in the or the college life, whatever it was, your first two years of Ungarza-like production when you were at college, but you really became a beast on that mound your junior year, where you started averaging over 10 Ks per nine and had a conference best 27 appearances, second team all whack. What was that big change in you for the first two years of your career in college to eventually your breakout third year? Well, I, I pitched at a very small school. Um, in high school, we I graduated you know, a little under 120 kids. Um, it was, to be honest, I think it was mainly just not facing that those type of hitters, you know, D1 caliber hitters and teams the high schools I played at, played with, and you know, didn't didn't have a, uh, couldn't duplicate or replicate my off-speed pitches at the time. And, you know, my freshman year was horrendous. It was whew, one of those you you want to forget, but you're thankful you went through. You know, it was, uh, it was a, you know, cru- uh, how how would you say uh, it was crucial, crucial point in my career and in my life on determining what type. Of avenue I wanted, if I was really, if I really wanted to push myself through this, or if I was okay on getting beat, and uh, I've never been okay with getting beat, so and I kept beating my head against the wall until one day I broke through, and uh, happy I did, man. I was gonna say this picture is someone who doesn't look like he likes getting beat right here. Uh, dog on <laughs> this gem for you. Uh, but yeah, no, I, it makes total sense. And you adapted pretty well once you got past that point. And, uh, eventually you got drafted 25th overall by, again, my favorite squad, the Minnesota Twins, going down right away as the seventh best prospect, according to Baseball America. And you really became Matt CTV as you rose through those ranks where you combined to go 14 and four across three minor league levels in 2006, a 199 ERA, 154 strikeouts and 135 innings. And actually became one of the few pitchers to be able to go through every level in one season. How were you able to rise through uh, so quickly from down from single A to the bigs? Um, I was very, I was highly motivated, you know, at the time. At that time, it was me, my wife, um, and our two kids, um, Matt and Matthew and Sierra. So they were very young. And I knew a minor league life for kids was extremely hard, just from stories and, uh, Living that first in 05, that little season where you don't know where you're going to be at today or tomorrow, and every every outing is important. So we, I wanted to be with my kids. <laughs> I wanted to make sure I knew where I was going, knew where I was going to be, and the only place that was steady was in the big leagues. So my goal was get to the big leagues as fast as possible. Nothing was going to send, nothing or nobody was going to send in my way. Hey, I, I don't doubt that, man, because the moment you, you got in the big leagues, the 2007 was kind of when you really uh, broke out. You were the top pitcher in the organization, the 21st best prospect in all of baseball. Uh, now, the thing that I thought was kind of interesting, you didn't make the roster out of spring training that year. You were optioned to Rochester. Uh, and some names that, that was just blast from the past reading them, Kevin Slowey, Scott Baker, they passed you. And I read it was because you had a pitch selection disagreement with the Twins organization. Was that true? Is that the reason you felt like they didn't call you up right away? Yeah, they uh, they had a plan implemented that, or a plan they wanted to implement uh, and have me pitch with, which was not my style. It, wasn't, you know, it had nothing to do with their plan, but it was not my style of pitching. 
and I was totally against it. When I tried to do it their way, I didn't obtain the results I liked, and then they didn't like the results as well. And it was under their their pitching plan. These results were coming, so when they finally let me go and stopped fighting me, you know, my it, it was a, I think it was like the second week of May. I got a visit in 07 from the pitching coordinator at the time in, in AAA, and he asked me what was going on. I told him, well, you guys are effing crazy. He said, you're trying to hone me in and have me pitch like the like a robot and not let me go. He said, why, why do I have to pitch you know, off-speed first and so-and-so and have these number of breaking balls when they can't hit my fastball? He said, no, feed it to them until it works or until it breaks, and he didn't disagree. That night I went out, I think I threw a shutout, a two-hitter at nine. And I think I threw like, uh, out of 120 pins, I threw like 106 fastballs in 07. And I, I was hitting 90, I was hitting like 101, 102. And I walked in and told him, so you want me to keep on the breaking ball crap, huh? So, speaking as a Twins fan, though, I think it was so frustrating because their their pitching was so awful around that time. Like, everybody was getting lit up outside of Johan Santana from Cisco Liriano. So, it, it makes sense that they just had a really bad philosophy. The, the Pittsburgh Pirates are kind of going through that right now with uh, their approach, at least going into this year. Pitchers trying to get out of there and trying to, to get away from the old approach the Pittsburgh Pirates have. So, it makes a ton of sense, honestly. Well, Pittsburgh doesn't have yeah, they've had this approach for a long time, and now you're starting to see their pitchers succeed on other teams. You know, Jameson mm-hmm. Tyon's doing well with the Yankees. Trevor Williams is doing well with um, the, the Cubs. Uh, the Cubs, and then Musgrove just threw a no hitter with the Padres. And what is, you know, it's like, what are you waiting for? You're waiting to do what? <laughs> Wait till these guys are till they're over to at least let them go. You got in order for people to learn, you have to let them go make mistakes. You know, sometimes it sucks to say that and say, well, you know, your way might work, but you're never going to truly know until it's gone and out of your hands. So that's kind of where they're, the pirates are at right now. And, you know, they can't blame anybody but themselves. They had all these good starters and they let them walk. They didn't, you know, handle them properly. And that's what happened. Same with Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole really blew up once he got out of Pittsburgh, right? Once he went oh, to Houston and totally uh, changed Glass his game. Well with them? I'm sorry, say again? Wasn't Tyler Glass now with them as well? Yeah, that's another one. <laughs> they had a system. Well, it didn't work. All these yeah, teams think... are on other teams and they're still the Pirates. Exactly. I mean, I think if you're too old school and you're not willing to experiment, let them learn kind of what works, what doesn't work. I, I think it's you're seeing the results of that. Um, but back to you, who, again, hated the Twins pitching staff when you were there. You did have a solid year where you put up a 3.69 ERA in 83 innings. You were selected to the All-Stars future game, the first Twins pitcher to bat in the American League since Alan Anderson in 89. Uh, and then you were traded to the Rays. You and Bartlett oh, uh, and for Delman, <laughs> yeah, that that, <laughs> that whole trade. Bartlett for Delman Young, Jason Pretty, Brendan Harris. I, I, Matt, look, I know we've known each other for ten minutes, so I feel like I can be honest with you. At the time, I was kind of happy about the trade because our hitting was so bad. Uh, but you 
quickly made me just slam my head on the desk. I was like, how did we let Matt go? Uh, what, what was going down with you in the trade? Like, did you hear about it, like, from anybody, or was it kind of a surprise? I was, uh, it was uh, pretty funny because when uh, Bill Smith took over, I was sitting in a car with uh, another player, and we were just coming back from hanging out, you know, out in some country land. And I knew Bill Smith, you know, I knew him a little bit, but I knew he didn't care for me because he was the one who was voicing an opinion about what I didn't like, you know, how I didn't like their protocol or this and that. And this was at the end of 07, because uh, Terry Ryan just stepped down and Bill Smith took over. And I told the, my buddy sitting next to me who was driving, I said, dude, watch. I'm going to get traded to the worst team in the league. I said, who said Tampa Bay Devil Rays? You watch. I said, just because this guy doesn't like me. And two months later, I get a call from Lavelle O'Neal telling me, hey, dude, this is about to go down. What do you know about it? And I'm like, what? You know, so he contacted me first, and then I reached out to my agent and said, hey, bro, what's this about? And, you know, the ball kept the ball rolled, and you know, I ended up at Tampa Bay Ray, and it couldn't have been happier, man. It was, uh, at first I was like, ah, but you know what? It was an opportunity to start. Um, I, they weren't questioning my abilities. They weren't questioning my pitching style, my mentality. They kind of just said, here, go, be you. And if it screws up, you'll learn. You know, so that's all I ever asked was, you know, you you draft me first overall for, for a reason in your organization. And then you put the handcuffs on somebody and say, don't be you. And then, you know, you let them go. They, you send them to somewhere else thinking they're a bad apple or they're not going to fit. And then they blossom. And that's, you know, that, you know, that's some of the things that happen. But, uh, like I said, it was a for- fortunate for me. It's a blessing. And I'm very thankful for that moment. And couldn't have painted it any better, you know. And Dalvin Young is a really, really good friend of mine. So. We were chatting it up the whole time, like, bro, what the heck? <laughs> so I actually, I actually ended up moving into Delman's uh, place when uh, I moved. I got traded over there. Oh wow! Okay, that's yeah. how that's how close we were. I, you know, Delman, I'll just stay at your house. <laughs> I mean, it, pretty crazy. You definitely got the better, and I mean, you're with obviously better weather than in Florida, and. It sounds like obviously a better just organization in general. I think many people could tell the Twins organization was just plain trash. And uh, I'm glad you got out of there. Everybody hated Bill Smith, and he didn't last very long there. So Twins, Twins are a very respectable organization. They're, they're good. They, but they, you know, what makes them good is they're disciplined into their beliefs and their system. Right. And I just, you know, some players just don't fit systems, and I felt I was one of those players. I didn't fit. That system, and it's okay. You know, you, you'll fit some systems. You know, and I, the Rays, I fit their system, and it, you know, blossomed just like you know some of these guys, like I've been mentioning earlier. They just didn't fit the system, and you know, now they're blossoming. The systems are in, and it's uh, interesting how this game works. For sure, and I mean, again, once you got down in Tampa, really started blossoming. Like we were saying, eleven and nine, three seventy ERA. You were the ALCS MVP. And I'm going to say this if no one's ever said it before. You became Maddie Daddy to those Boston hitters, man. In the two starts in the ALCS, you just had under a two ERA, just made them look silly. You're on that big stage showing why you're valuable. What was that all like for you? Oh, it was fun, man. I, you know, I never, when, I, when I pitched, I never thought of uh, 
it like that. I always thought of just being in that moment, enjoying it, and winning. You know, always trying to win the ball game when you're out there, or do what you can when you're in the dugout. And you know, when it's under the lights and the pressure's on, that's when it's a lot more fun because there's a lot more to lose. And those moments you, you never forget, you never let go, and you just, you know, like you said, it's just you just enjoy them, and you know. I, really can't explain it. you just you know everybody says you have to have another level and if you can get to that level it's it's a fun time man oh yeah and you again you just caught the energy i loved watching you pitch uh, now everybody brings up your no hitter but people don't talk about that you had a perfect game through six one time and you give up one hit in that game a home run to who Hadley Bears. Yep, yep. That one home run was the only hit you allowed. You had 10 Ks. Do you think you actually had a better start that game than you did with the actual no hitter? Oh, I don't know, man. Um, I felt better that day when I uh, hit that slider out. But uh, I'd like, hey, it just falls. And I had another one. I had a no hitter through seven with two outs. And um, what was his name? Chris Johnson hits a uh, fastball. Out into left center, and Aaron Harang had a one hitter going that day as well. So I've I've had some pretty cool uh, outings with guys doing similar things. You know, my no hitter, our guys didn't get a hit to the fourth against Scherzer. So is uh, or the sixth? I, I'm I'm sorry, the sixth against Scherzer. So I've been uh, I've been uh, lucky on those ends. You know, those some guys were doing doing just as well, and I just got a. Uh, one guy was in one spot or one guy was not in the right spot kind of day. So, uh, you know, you just thank your lucky stars that those guys were in those spots and you were able to enjoy that no-hit moment, man. It was, uh, you know, but uh, that no-hitter in that Florida game, I, I, felt, I felt way better in that Florida game. <laughs> Do you remember in the Tigers no-hitter who was the one guy that walked? Uh, Brandon Bosch. Look at that memory, man. These are like these are was, pulling some names. It was three two curveball. Do you remember if it was a borderline or had you did you completely miss? No, it was it was down. It was I wanted him. I thought he'd swing at it because he swung at all the other stuff. And he watched that one, and I was surprised. And uh, right after, and if I didn't walk him, Longoria doesn't hug the line and doesn't uh, snag that uh, grounder by uh, uh, Ryan Raber. Man, look, you got, I feel like it's definitely every pitcher remembers their no-hitters, like every detail about it. So that, that's actually pretty awesome. So I know everybody talks about the emotions, but actually in the game, what's happening, I think is kind of more interesting to me. Yeah, I was, uh, emotions, you know, I was uh, usually more, I didn't let the happy moments, you know, I didn't really let myself enjoy the happy moments until after, when I really couldn't hide the pissed off moments too well either. <laughs> Man, I mean, again, obviously that was just another th- accolade to add to your resume that you were building. You eventually make stops after the race to the Cubs, the Rangers, and you finish your career out in Milwaukee. You sign a four-year, $50 million guaranteed deal up to as much as 5 for 67 I mean, bring in Scrooge McDuck, man. You secured the bag, swimming in singles, rightfully so after you had been pitching so well up to your, for your career up to this point. Can you explain what it was like to finally have that financial security that I felt like I think everybody feels like they want, especially with the performances you were having. Um, it was cool. You know, it was more of just finding a place to play and a home to fit. And, um, you know, I was just, 
and trying to chase the years playing, you know, just uh, enjoy my time up there. And whether it's the Brewers, the Angels, the Cubs, the Rangers, you know, the money's dope, the money's cool, but it wasn't really, uh, it wasn't per se like leading the charge. It was more of where I, where I felt it fit. I had a really good friend in uh, Madison, and he's a really he's you know my one of my best friends and really good hunting buddy. So it was only an hour and a half away. It made a lot of sense to go hang out in Milwaukee for four years, man. Play <laughs> baseball and go hang out with my buddy for four years. So it was a uh, you know for me it wasn't uh, always about that. You know, family was always set, always secure. Um, and I made sure that on what we, what we did as, as a team, my wife and I, and, uh, but yeah, I was managing to see where I fit and where I would enjoy playing. You know? How was the shoulder? Cause I know obviously your career was a little shorter than you would have liked because of the torn labrum. Is that good? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's healed. It's, it's cool. You know, coaching and training some, uh, college and high school kids. And, uh, you know, every now and again, you get a hair, you know, hair on your back, you want to go throw, and then you go throw, and you realize that uh, you're 37, about to be 38. So. <laughs> what are you topping out at right now? Um, I think I'm usually topping things with uh, whipped cream and sprinkles. <laughs> so, that's usually where it's at, man. Hey, I, I love that answer. I mean, again... You don't need to worry about throwing more and anything about messing up with your shoulder. Um, so the last couple things I want to ask you before we finish up here, uh, I like I'm really big into looking at guys' arsenals and kind of some analytics. Obviously, is that's kind of taken the place in baseball right now. So you can correct me if I have your arsenal wrong here. You threw a two seam fastball around ninety to ninety two miles an hour, four seamer that topped out about ninety five. You also had a big breaking ball that ranged anywhere from like seventy two to seventy seven. And that hard slider that you threw, that hard tight slider in the mid eighties. The changeup though was the occasional pitch only to lefties. Is that right? I threw it to righties sometimes. It just looked like a slower fastball. It didn't really have okay. a huge uh, differential. And but, uh, never could figure out how to take that velocity off the fast off the changeup. So I would just throw it like a fastball and try to find a two seam changeup that had little movement. Yeah, that's about it. Even your slider is obviously your go-to strikeout pitch, right? When you would, whether it was late in the count or you were just trying to keep hitters off balance. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a useful weapon. It's something I, I would consistently be able to place over. Same with the curveball. Um, it just varied from hitter to hitter. And now I know it's a big, big curveball era right now. You know, playing with the stat, the uh, analytics on spin rates, and uh, playing with eyes and everything like you're supposed to. Uh, but yeah, a slider was. A, was a good strong pitch for me, especially against righties and down and on against lefties. But curveball was more of my uh, velocity timing disruptor, you know, for with the slow with the slow break on it. Uh, really helped me um, utilize my fastball. Yeah, you think you would have used analytics more if like you were still playing right now? Like I'm looking at your page right now because they have the last three years of your career where I can look at at least for some of the stuff here. Like your slider was still. Crazy unhittable. It had a Y96 expected batting average against. You got a, almost a 40% whiff rate on it. If you could have access to that type of information, do you think you would have used that in your game? Oh, I had. We had it. When I, you know, six, 15, 16, we had it. It was available to us. Um, I'm not a huge fan 
because mm-hmm. I think you have to be able to know what you're not just the numbers and understand the spin rate, but you have to know what you're trying to accomplish at that point uh, when you're making these pitches and the purpose behind it. You know, I, I, I still watch a lot of baseball and I'm a huge fan. Um, and I think that's where it's lost. I think a lot of us are, you know, and I was there watching a lot of, a lot of the, uh, you breakdown, your self diagnosis, your self breakdown is not, uh, was, was not as big as, you know, was not as big when analytics was, uh, set, set in front of us. Before that, you were constantly in the video room, doing this, and now you're able to get these numbers that you were, you're trying to watch and read out. And I think there's a fine line between the both use. I think they're both awesome. I think old school breakdown video breakdown is awesome. And, you know, analytics just kind of helps speed the curve. Uh, but for me, I, I like the feel and I like using my own eyes, you know, cause I know what I'm thinking and I know why I was doing things. And usually a mistake was because I pulled off a ball. I was too excited to put that ball somewhere else, you know. I can respect that. You were one of the few type of bulldogs on the mound where I feel like you know what's going on. You can fix things if you like if you know something's not working. I think sometimes there's not pitchers that aren't as confident in their stuff as you were. So I think that it makes a total sense to me. Well, I was I got I was uh, one of the few ones. I got to match it against uh, Doc Holiday a lot, and um, I really really uh, try to emulate his work. And how he had numerous, numerous plans for every hitter. Um, so in 09, I got to work with uh, Greg Zahn, who caught him and worked close with Doc. And I, you know, it was only for half a year, but I picked his brain. And I mean, I probably was a fly in his ear every day and just figuring out how, what made him different, what made him special, what made him. And it was all just his hard work. It was, you know, everybody can work the same amount in the weight room or out on the field, but. The work that he did between his ears and was, you know, it matched, nobody matched that type of breakdown or planning or strategizing. And it was uh, just hearing stories about his work ethic in the video room and game planning sessions was amazing to me. It was like, man, how can I, you know, and still, you know, and do this and be here and, you know, because I would watch film for three, four hours and, you know, after that, I'm, yeah. <laughs> No, but he would just hammer it out and hammer it out, and it shows you his work. His work definitely paid off, man. He was uh, one of the greats, and I was. It was an honor to line up against him. You know, were you able to have every conversation in the middle? No, I. I was. I didn't really, you know, lining up against them. Uh, that means your work days were the same. So the day before, I was very uh, quiet and just kind of visualizing things and day after is your big work day and he's he's he was an insane worker you know he was there at 4 a.m before you know everybody in spring training and during the season is he was just constantly at it dude so um he tried but uh it's one of those moments i missed and uh i was just lucky enough to have somebody who caught and worked with them as uh as somebody i could pick their brain you know you ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. We're talking with Mr. Matt Garza, 93-game winner, an ALCS MVP, owner of a no-hitter. Matt. We like to get our guests out of here on a little fun triple play rapid fire. Just some fun this or that type questions. Uh, complete, some related to baseball, some not. Are you game? Sounds good, man. All right, here we go. Number one, the Tampa Bay blue, Minnesota blue, or Milwaukee purple jersey? Um, what blue are we talking about, Tampa Bay? The, the I think you guys, did you guys still have the uh, teal blue then? Yeah, we had the baby blue, but I'm more about the. I'd go the Minnesota, the Minnesota blue. Okay, I like, I like it. it. I like it. I like the baby. Wasn't a big fan of the baby blue. All right, what about? Would you rather have a seven inning start with one earned run and three strikeouts, or a six inning start with two earned runs and ten strikeouts? Uh, I'm going seven. I got to eat the innings for the club, man. <laughs> Team player, I like it. Uh, eat broccoli with every meal or watch an episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians every day? I like broccoli, so I'll take it every meal. <laughs> I like it. Cut your facial hair or wear braces for a month? I'll cut, uh, I don't know. I'll cut my facial. I'll be back in like three days. <laughs> it grows back that quick? Yeah. I don't, I, mean, I don't know if you know this. This is like about a month right now. Uh, I shaved like two days ago. Okay. So, I, I like that you still kept the, the goatee. I like it. <laughs> uh, all right. Talk to your past self or your future self? Uh, talk to my past self. Any good advice you give them? Yeah, don't be so stubborn. <laughs> all right, I got a few more for you. If you could take any pitcher's best pitch and add it to your arsenal, whose would it be? Mariano Rivera's cutter. That's a, that's a good answer. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking like, oh, is he going to take like a, a CC something, or is he going to take like a? I don't know. I didn't think of Mariano Rivera's cutter. That that's a good answer. Um, would you rather give up social media for a year, or you have to eat the same dinner every night for a year? Uh, I'd rather give up social media. All right. Last two here. Would you rather have diarrhea on you and your wife's first date or in the locker room and everybody knows it's you? In the locker room. <laughs> Teammates locker. wouldn't care? Yeah, well, who cares if they would care? You're sitting getting dinner with your wife. You're about to crap your pants. I'm cool. All right. Wise words. I like that. Uh, last one. Would you rather have nipple-sized fingers or finger-sized nipples? Nipple-sized fingers. Size. I'd have nipple-sized fingers. You know how much ball movement you can get with those big <laughs> Would you be able to grip the ball now? Yeah, you, man, you'd be able to throw one, fit, one pitch, pitches, man. <laughs> hey, man, that, that might be some of the best rapid fire we've ever played on here. Uh, but on that note, I'll, I can't thank you enough for joining me today. It was an absolute blast having you on the show, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. You guys have a great one. Good luck. Keep going. Awesome, man. Thanks so much. And anything you want to plug to anybody before we get out of here? Uh, no, not, 
I don't know where uh, where are you guys located at. We we're stationed in Baltimore, but we do interviews like all over. Oh wherever. yeah, um, you know, big one of my homies, uh, Jorge Lopez with the Orioles. Go check him out. Uh, you know, follow baseball, man. Passion is passion is life, and uh, a new podcast that we're doing in Valley Hit or Die. Some friends of mine, and I. That's about it, dude. Awesome. Well, everybody, go check out the Hit or Die podcast. Again, I'm going to start listening to it. I didn't even know you had one. So. That's not me. It's a good buddy. I've been on there a couple times. But yeah, uh, baseball talk, coach talk, and always uh, you know, talk about the real questions that you want to ask us. That's pretty cool. Awesome. Well, again, I appreciate you so much, man. Yeah.